0: Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and a trainer at the Center for Understanding and Conflict. And I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Bill DeSalvo. He's the ex husband of our last guest, Beth Barrett, who wrote the book Nesting After Divorce Co parenting in the Family Home. And Bill, he has his own perspective, but he's lived and worked all over the country and the world. He has a master's in information science from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and has worked in the field of enterprise IT strategy and solutions for over 25 years. He now lives in the Midwest, raising three sons with whom he enjoys playing music, cooking, and watching basketball. And those three sons are sons that you share with Beth. Is that right, Bill?
1: Yes, that's right, Catherine.
0: And so whose idea, and I know that you... Just to remind our listeners that you and Beth have been nesting for, I think she said, nine years now. Is that right?
1: Yes, that's right.
0: Since 2014. That's a long time. And and for the listeners who might not have caught the first show, can you describe for them what nesting is and how it works?
1: Yes, certainly. So nesting is a co-parenting arrangement whereby the children of the divorced couple stay in the house. And the individuals, the the parents of the children move in and out on a rotating basis that's usually defined in the in the settlement agreement. The kids stay put, and the the parents move in and out. that's the basic of it.
0: so instead of that more traditional, and I really don't like the word traditional when we're talking about divorce in any way because, you know, we talk about traditional values. It seems like a good thing. But the sort of more old-fashioned view, maybe I could say, of a parenting plan is that the parents establish new homes and the children go back and forth between the homes. But in this case, the children stay in the home and the parents go back and forth and figure out some additional living arrangements when they're not not during their parenting time.
1: Yeah, I agree with you that the tr- traditional is really not the 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 right word historically, divorce has been primarily about the people getting divorced. And what nesting does is it makes the divorce primarily about the children. So I think that's the big difference. That's the differentiator between historically how divorce has been handled and this particular method.
0: Whose idea was it to try the nesting?
1: That was Beth's idea. She had Come across the idea in literature that she was that she was researching at the time, looking for alternatives to the historical way of doing doing divorce, and came across this idea, which she, which she explained in the book probably better than I'm doing, and so yeah, it was her idea. She presented it to me. We discussed it. And decided that's how we wanted to move forward
0: when she first raised it with you, Bell, were you you must have had mixed feelings,
1: yeah, well, I mean, I had mixed i you know I had never been divorced before. It was a new the whole thing was new to me, and my parents were not divorced, so I had. I didn't have a lot of experience with divorce, either as a child or, and certainly not as an adult. So I guess that kind of lack of experience made me more receptive to the ideas, uh, different ideas, which I am anyway, generally. So it was... I had... misgivings about it but they were tied up with the misgivings about divorce i think that naturally people have but once we started thinking about it and and looking at the logistics and the economics of it that made this made more sense to me so in cooperation with that that's how we move forward
0: so i'm really curious about what Misgivings you might have had about the nesting process. And let me just sort of frame that a little bit for you. I can imagine our listeners are out there thinking, wait, what? <laughs> you know, sure, they sure, shared yeah. a house for nine years post divorce, and Beth told us that you're remarried and she's engaged to somebody else. I mean, how does that work? And so I'm wondering yeah. if you could sort of talk about what your journey was between being presented with the idea you know, wondering whether or it was the right thing for you, what came up in terms of your questions about it and then how you resolved that?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, man, going back to that time, I think my main questions about it were logistical, because I'm I'm kind of a logistical thinker. And, you know, I just couldn't imagine how it was, how it was going to work. And specifically, how our interactions, the interactions between Beth and myself were going to evolve in how we would be able to continue to communicate with each other at that pretty sensitive time. Interestingly, though, the part that wasn't that difficult to figure out is what we were going to do with the kids because that was pretty, I mean, the, the very nature of nesting in this co-parenting arrangement is if the kids stay in the house and therefore it makes it pretty simple. The question is, you know, who's taking them to school, when are you in the house, when are you out of the house? Those are questions that are pretty easy to answer when the kids aren't moving around. So they were really my my questions and my ultimately my misgivings about nesting were how to, how is this actually going to work? What are the logistics? of and it, it's been trial and error. We, we've had, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five iterations of co-parenting and nesting arrangements over those nine years. It, it has definitely changed. And it, for instance, it started off with me being in the house, us sharing one apartment and one house. So When we weren't parenting, we would move into, we would go individually into a shared apartment. You know, that lasted for a little while. Then I had my own apartment and that didn't last because I started traveling for work. So, you know, over the years, it's just, it's evolved and evolved and evolved. And I think really challenges people to understand, to help them understand what is important and what's driven by. Ego or pride or prejudice toward other people, and I, I've learned an amazing amount about myself and about how to maturely interact with people through this whole process. And it has been a process.
0: Bill, I love what you're saying about what you've learned about yourself and about interaction, and and what I hear you saying, and you know, is that. This is a challenge, and divorce is always a challenge, and that and that, it, it, you came to it without a lot of experience, but you know, it's obviously a difficult time, and that through really your open mind to a creative way of doing this, that you've been able to really grow as a human being through it, and that you've improved yourself. My word's not yours, but that's what I hear you saying.
1: Well, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it's an improvement, but it is definitely a change. I think nesting is a realistic way to representation, to deal with difficult problems, because it forces one and it forced me to address problems and not to displace blame. It's it's hard to imagine that difficulties between two people are always the result of one person's actions and well, i'm sure
0: uh, a lot of people getting divorced think that for a while anyway until some of the pain wears off
1: yeah that's right i mean it, it is easy to think that it's always or that it is somebody else's fault and sometimes it is you know i'm I, i'm not a divorce expert by any means but just trying to transfer this to general dealings with people. And difficulties with dealing with people are often a result of all the parties involved, not just one person. That's what I've learned.
0: I'm Catherine uh, Miller, and yeah. you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WVOX, 1460 AM in Westchester County, every other Wednesday from 5 to 530, bringing you information and thoughtful dialogue that you need to divorce with dignity, and I'm talking today with Bill Salvo. He's the ex-husband of Beth parent, who wrote the book Nesting After Divorce, Co-Parenting in the Family Home, mm-hmm. and he's here today to talk about his experience of nesting and, and what it means, and since I'm mentioning Beth and her book... What was your reaction to your ex-wife writing a book about your shared experience of going through divorce and nesting with the kids?
1: I think by the time that the idea of the book matured into a viable product, I think I was fine with it. In fact, I was fine with it. And I'm fine with it now, too. I'm you know, very supportive of Beth. Obviously, I'm doing this this radio show with you. I think it's a good idea and I think it can help people in that it presents an alternative way of handling a very difficult situation. And kudos to her for for writing it. I know it was an enormous amount of work and I think it's really well written and she did a great job of accurately portraying the trials and tribulations that we or anyone else would go through. It kind of comes back to how can you take an experience like this and grow from it or find the, the most, the best and most useful parts of it. And one of the things that I came away from divorce with, not from necessarily because of nesting is that there are things you can control and there's things you can influence. And then there is everything else. And when you can control something and when you can influence, you really have to ask, is it worth? I mean, what are you going to do with that control and that influence? And so it kind of, I mean, even if I didn't want the book to be written, which is not the case, what would I do with that influence and that control? It just didn't seem like it was the right thing to do to try and derail something like this way back when. So, at first, I was ambivalent, and was like, "Okay, yeah, you know, if you want to write a book go ahead and as it started to come more to fruition, I became much more supportive of it because I think it's a great idea, like I said, it's a great idea in that it can help you it can help provide a different perspective now, whether it actually works for people that i I have no idea it might work for a given couple, it may not, but at least it's a great view into a different way of seeing
0: it. What do you think it takes to make it work though?
1: I think an enormous amount of self-awareness and enormous amount of focus on what's really important. And the first part we've we've talked about that, how that's kind of evolved the the self-awareness. And then the the second part is what's really important. And that's the safety and development of the the kids, and one of the questions that I get asked is well, what you know how have your kids benefited from this, or what change has occurred and honestly i don't know I don't know how it would have been different because I don't have any other experience. All I can say is it seems like. At this point, it's kind of a non-event anymore. That the divorce didn't really affect the the kids because their lives really didn't change a whole lot. So yeah, and
0: Beth told I, me Beth told me that that the children worked with a therapist for a while after the divorce, and that the therapist called her in and maybe both of you in and said, you yeah. know, I worked with a lot of kids of divorce and these are the only ones who never mention the divorce as being an issue of stress in their lives. And that is a right. tremendous a tremendous event, like a non event, you know, and and, and, and really yeah. quite remarkable.
1: I think it is too. And, you know, they they're also well you know, really smart, well adjusted kids and open to talking about their problems if not to to us to Beth and me to the third party and so yeah i'm 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 proud of that fact i'm more proud of them than i am of anything i did but those are the two things that i come, came away with is you know the, the self awareness and the impact on the kids those are the two things that have been most
0: challenging and most rewarding really wonderful. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues here on WBOX 1460 AM in Westchester County every other Wednesday from 5 to 5.30, or perhaps you're listening on the podcast, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com, and I'm talking to Bill DeSalo, who's the ex-husband of Beth Barrett, who wrote the book Nesting After Divorce co-parenting in the family home, and when I was talking with Beth, she said if people are interested in learning more about nesting or about the book, that the best place to start is on her website, which is... Bill, I don't have it in front of me right now. Can you Do you remember what the uh, website
1: family is? Nesting,
0: FamilyNesting.org? FamilyNesting.org. That is exactly right. So if anyone is interested in learning more about the nesting... Option and how it works and how it worked for your family. Familynesting.org is a great place to start. And so yes. I'm wondering, Bill, if you can offer, you know, additional examples and and of how nesting has helped your family. What were some of the difficult moments as you went through it? And let me just say that when I think about nesting with my ex-husband. You know, the idea of doing it for nine years actually fills my heart with dread. <laughs> and <laughs> and some of the re- <laughs> and some of the reasons for that are some boundary issues, right? And and so like for example, who is gonna empty the dishwasher? Who's gonna be responsible for buying food? Who is going to make sure that the Con Ed bill gets paid or that your utility bill, In uh, New Yorker it's it's Con Ed. And also issues around dating and new partners and, you know, things like that, like moving on with your personal lives, separate and apart from the children, you know, how are, what are the rules around the house going to be about that? And so I wonder how you guys handled that and if, if there was any stress around that, those kinds of issues.
1: To answer your second question first, is there, has there been any stress around that? And, as, you know, yes, of course. They're the same stressors, I think, or similar stressors that any people who spend a lot of time around each other are going to have. Uh, whether they're married or whether they're nesting or whether they're cohabitating or whether they're friends, you know, it's, it's just a lot of the same things. You know, the difference is how, in my mind, the difference is how methodical you are about addressing the, the issues. And at first, we, you know, there were lots, we had lots of rules in place at first about what you know the, the example i like to use is that we had like three different ways of communicating four actually one was texting and that was something we used that for something that had to be done immediately this is just an example by the way email is something that we needed to communicate yet have a record of phone was something that was something that had, was urgent And then face-to-face was something that needed to be discussed, you know, that was a little bit more complex. And so just as an example of, you know, how did we deal with those types of logistical issues at first? Well, we, we just put some rules in place. The more general rule about nesting and being in essentially living in one house but at different times is at first, again, there were things like, okay, when... I, before I left the house, I, I would do all the laundry and I would have all the dishes washed and the kids would be set up for their homework and then Beth would come in the house. So she wasn't picking up the stuff that I didn't do and vice versa. So to your example, you know, who emptied the dishwasher? Well, whoever was in the house emptied the dishwasher, whoever was parenting. Now that we, we overlap more, it's still the same. So for instance, if I'm parenting and I got to get up early to take the kids to work, take the kids to school, then the dishes should have been washed in the dishwasher. So when I get up, the dishwasher's clean. Everything in dishwasher's clean. If I'm out of the house for an extended period of time, then when I come back, the agreement we have is that all of the laundry will be done. So I'm not coming back to two, you know, a week and a half or two weeks worth of laundry. So, But that takes time to get to, and it also takes some flexibility and thinking. So not only are you trying to make this work for the kids, eventually you get to a point where you're also trying to make it work for the other person. Beth and I joke that life is in a scoreboard until it, is, until it becomes one. And once it becomes one, then everybody's keeping track of everything that they do and everything that you do. And that's just, I mean, how tiresome. So if we can agree to these, more broader, these broader principles, then it becomes more manageable.
0: Does that help answer that question? It it does. And it's kind of interesting, this scoreboard idea, because, you know, what I want to ask you is what advice you have for people thinking about this. But I want you to think about this, that idea, that scoreboard, because I think a lot of people who are getting divorced are keeping score, right? And, and that you yeah. leave a marriage often thinking, well, you know, whatever the score is, you know, you, you're bad, I'm good. You did this, I did that, you, you know, and it does a sort of kind of come to that in that place of that decision, which is not an easy decision to make, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so what advice do you have for people to kind of unwind from that scorekeeping place who are interested in in setting this up for success? Because it sounds like you and Beth were super careful about it and super thoughtful, and that because of that, Attention to the details and commitment to the communication, you were able to get to a more flexible place with each other because of a, I don't know, hypothesis of generosity from the other person's intention.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think what underlies your observation there and your question is the process of building trust with that other person. So you don't have to continually look at the scoreboard to see what the score is. You know, if I had to, I guess, break this down into advice, which I'm terrible at giving, so I hope your audience takes that into consideration when I say these <laughs> things, is if you need a scoreboard, just don't make it a permanent scoreboard. Because sometimes you do need a scoreboard. Like I said, you know, early on, we needed that scoreboard. All right, We needed this checked off. We need this checked off. You're going to pay me the money you owe me on this date, and I'm going to pay you the money I owe you on that date. I'm going to be here for four nights. You're going to be here for three nights, and those four nights are Sunday through Wednesday, and then you're here Thursday through Saturday. I think that structure early on in the process is good, but I, don't, I also don't think that that's sustainable because it's very tiresome and tiring to continually be in that mindset of scoreboarding. So if you have to do it, do it because you want to build trust with that person. And so you can stop doing that. Then life becomes more natural. But the, the whole idea of the scoreboard, I, I think, is a short-term play for anyone, for anyone getting a divorce, not just people who are considering nesting. Because yeah. that's just not... It's, all it does is build animosity and, and terrific bouts of
0: exhaustion. Well, I think that what you're talking about is sort of maybe the difference between structure and scoreboard. Right. The structure is what are our rules and and mm-hmm. keeping track of who's violating them is different from making sure that we have some rules so that we don't have to end up keeping score. But the whole purpose yeah. of all of that is to come to a, an arrangement where you develop trust and, and I guess some kind of mutual respect. Would you say that's true?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I like the way you put that, by the way. I think that's really good a really good observation. Yeah, but eventually you want to get to a point where you've earned trust And that trust is not just available to you, but with your partner, but vice versa.
0: Great. Those are great words to end on. Bill DeSalvo, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's been
1: a pleasure. My pleasure. Nice speaking to you, Catherine.